Hey everyone, welcome back to Digital Switch. Um, I'm really excited today to introduce a, another repeat guest, Praveen Halati, who is Pure Nova's head of product. So Praveen, thank you so much for being here. Oh, hey Sonia. Um, as always, it's awesome to be here. So today we're gonna continue the conversation from a few episodes back and dive a little deeper into the dimensions of data quality. So specifically correctness, completeness, consistency, and timeliness. So for this segment, we are going to focus on timeliness and what exactly that means. So Praveen, can you talk about the benefits, the challenges, and just basically the basics about data timeliness? Yeah, sure. So I think uh, timeliness is, uh, you know, um, one of the key pillars of data quality along with data accuracy, completeness, and consistency. But it's, uh, you know, it's hard to articulate. So the way I would like to um, think about timeliness is um, it always pertains to an event, even even though we talk about data timeliness. Uh, so if you think about it in a general term, it always uh, pertains to some sort of event happening, right? So um, even though we may say the train uh, is on time, uh, what we really mean is that the arrival of the train is on time or mm -hmm. the arrival of the bus is on time. It's not that the, the train or the bus or a, a piece of data itself is on time. So because these are objects, uh, these are nouns. So when we talk about data timeliness, um, uh, you know, more often than not, uh, what we are actually talking about is an event um, that uh, involves that data. So in some shape or form. So what do I mean by that? Um, if we talk about our customers in financial institutions, um, timeliness may mean different things based on their roles. So for the CFO, uh, he might say, okay, I need um, this cash report generated on a timely basis. So for the head of a trading desk, they might say, I need um, my risk reports to be on my desk before the markets open uh, on a certain day, on, on any sort of trading day. So uh, for them, the events are, um, you know, they're obviously, they depend on the specific um, uh, business function that they uh, work for, um, as well as the specific use case. So when we talk about timeliness um, pertaining to data, um, we talk about uh, an event like, uh, you know, a report is generated or, um, um, or a trade is settled in time, for example. So trade settlement process being completed in a time. So that would be the event. So the general definition, of course, is, um, uh, so there's two things, right? So you have uh, um, an event um, that has an expected completion time, and then there is an actual time when that event is completed. So for example, if you, um, if you think about it, um, if you expect a certain report to be generated at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, um, that would be your expected time. And then if that report is generated at 4 p.m., um, that's the actual time, which is now delayed. Um, if the report arrives at 1 p.m., then it's ahead of time. If the report is available at 2 p.m. exactly, then it's on time. So um, when we talk about timeliness, there's a uh, um, there is the expectation um, as to when that particular uh, critical data element or that particular deliverable 
is available to be used for business uh, decisions. And then there is the actual time at which it becomes available. Um, and that's how you measure it. So the um, timeliness is measured as a time between when the information is expected and when it's readily available for use. I see. Okay, so we've talked a lot about <coughs> what can happen if your organization doesn't have high quality data, um, but specifically what happens when you do not have timely data? What is really important about this? Yeah, I think, um, so you can broadly talk about three uh, sort of uh, uh, parameters, and two of them pertain to cost, and one of them pertain to, say, the uh, revenue opportunities. So uh, when you look at them, if you wear the cost lens, then there is, um, uh, you think about operational costs. So in case, um, uh, data is not available on a timely basis, uh, then uh, there's overhead. And I can give you a really simple example. So there is a process that generates a report and that report is not generated in time. Then typically what happens um, in financial institutions is there are operations teams um, that then try to generate the same report um, as an override. So they'll go and then try to get some raw data, uh, massage it in a spreadsheet, use some macros, and create the same report. But then that means that you're allocating, uh, or yet rather you're incurring more cost um, in this additional effort uh, in order to compensate for the lack of data timeliness. And that's a really small example. Um, if you take larger examples, then um, when something is delayed, uh, typically that always involves um, people investigating into the delay. So tickets get raised, um, support analysts go and investigate the root cause, then they raise additional tickets for say various IT teams and business teams to go and investigate why a certain item is delayed and so on. And as you can see, um, in, a, in a complex value chain, there can be cascading delays as well. So one delay upstream can cause multiple delays downstream. So um, you can then imagine that the costs correspondingly escalate as well from an operational cost perspective. Um, then you come to the um, regulatory and compliance costs. Um, and we all know that uh, specifically in financial services, there are penalties associated with uh, uh, processing delays, uh, specifically for large global financial institutions. So the upcoming CSDR regulations mandate that trade settlement failures uh, would mean that the a party at fault would need to pay a certain penalty to the counterparty on the other side of the trade. Um, and then there's other sort of uh, liabilities that the uh, financial institutions will incur. Um, and these liabilities, uh, or rather the legal actions can be initiated by customers, they can be initiated by partners, they can be initiated by regulators as well. So there is the regulatory cost um, um, factor there uh, when it comes to lack of timeliness. Now let's talk about the positive side of it, right? So what if you get data early or what if that particular event happens early? Um, the firm can actually take competitive um, uh, advantage of it or use it for as a competitive advantage, right? Because uh, let's say, as an example, you're an investment bank and um, a client, say a large industry conglomerate, um, needs funding um, to, say, um, 
acquire uh, another company and they'll ask you for say X billion dollars. Uh, but at the same time, they will shop around and they'll ask multiple banks as to who can provide the funding in time to make the deal. Um, and as a bank, if you have enough information to identify um, where your high quality liquid assets lie and you're able to come up with a deal for the customer and you are able to identify your liquidity resources and structure a deal uh, faster than your competitors, that means uh, the firm gains uh, more business. So you can see how uh, um, data timeliness can um, be used as a competitive advantage as well. So we know that data quality within financial institutions specifically is extremely crucial. Um, you talked a lot about how it can lead to regulatory fines, um, operational overheads, and errors in decision making. So eventually this trickles down the enterprise all the way to the client or consumer. But achieving timeliness in today's world, actually, especially in large financial institutions, is really challenging. So why is that? So, um, you know, there's a couple of things that we have to understand. And, and I'll go back to the example that I gave uh, earlier when I talked about the um, CFO um, wanting a specific cash report on time or the head of trading desk uh, wanting his risk reports on time. Um, now there are a sequence of um, activities um, in the value chain that produce that particular critical data element, you know, a risk report or a CFO uh, cash flow report um, or a final trade settlement report. Um, and if you look at the landscape today, Large financial institutions are um, global in nature. Um, they're in, they operate in different geographies. They have different business lines that transact in different asset classes. Um, and the way these organizations are structured um, is to um, uh, divide operations into different um, organizational units. And typically over time, what happens is these organizational units uh, develop their own systems, they develop their own applications, they develop their own data models and so on. Um, and when you talk about uh, workflows and business processes, these span across these different uh, product areas, business units, uh, applications and systems. So uh, firstly, it's very hard to measure um, front to back timeliness. Uh, because what that would mean is, uh, number one, you have to uh, think about the concept of a workflow and say, okay, at what point does the workflow get initiated? What are the different steps involved in a workflow? And at what point does the workflow end? Um, and that's a simple question to ask, but if you want to really answer it objectively, then you have to uh, uh, draw up a blueprint of every step in the workflow um, then you have to go and map it to every application um, and every data source um, from the point where data is created, it's enriched, transformed to the point where data is finally compiled into a report that's used for business decision making. And this in practice is uh, very difficult to uh, piece together, um, primarily because of the siloed nature of the um, um, you know, application and, um, um, you know, data source infrastructure that we have today. Um, that's what makes it uh, very difficult, uh, number one. 
Number two, then you have to instrument each step in the workflow process and make sure that you uh, capture the time information. So you, you know, let's just assume that a workflow has uh, six steps. Then you have to um, go and make sure that as every step executes, you capture the start time and end time so that the overall workflow cycle time is adequately captured and then um, used in order to um, um, to calculate the, the 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 cycle time of the entire workflow, that will give you an idea of whether your final output um, is delivered on a timely basis or not. So, in practice, considering um, the fact that there could be literally thousands of applications at a major financial institution, um, and um, you know thousands of data sources. Um, this in practice is very difficult. The firms uh, struggle to implement this. Um, they try in various ways to compensate for it. Um, say, for example, using APM software, which is application performance management software. But as you very well know, APM software uh, operates at a much more lower technical level. So it can tell you, um, let's say, the request response time for API requests or the database query completion times, but it doesn't give you um, enough knowledge about uh, you know, something like business process cycle times. So that's something that firms have to build themselves as uh, bespoke systems. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's quite difficult to build that, uh, even more difficult to roll it across the organization. So let's talk about solving these challenges. Effective data governments can really help data timeliness within a large financial institution, and it implements processes and rules to ensure that poor data quality is identified and addressed appropriately on an ongoing basis. So instead of manually fixing the error, leaders can really reconcile the process, the rules, or the systems that cause the data issue in the first place. What else can data governance do to ensure data timeliness? I think. Um, what you could do, I mean, and at, at a broad level is two things. One is um, making sure that uh, the customers have front-to-back visibility into their workflows. So as I mentioned, a workflow can be composed of, and I use workflow as a general term. You can uh, use it interchangeably with business processes. Um, so a business process or a workflow com uh, is composed of uh, various steps. Uh, if you look at, uh, say, a broker-dealer, you're talking about um, a front office, a middle office, and a back office. And you may also have uh, um, some external uh, partners, uh, like a, um, a middleware um, provider that connects your back office to a CSP um, or a clearinghouse. So um, one um, essential requirement is to have this front-to-back visibility into your key transactional workflows. And then the other one is, as I mentioned earlier, you have to measure timeliness at every step in the process chain. Because if you only measure it at, um, um, at the end of the process chain, um, then you're not going to be able to um, get any value out of it. Uh, you only get a binary output and say whether a critical data element is uh, on time, ahead of time, or, or delayed. But you won't have enough um, information or telemetry to tell you why a certain piece of information is, uh, is not available on time. 
So now at PureNova, we offer the Cuneiform platform, which is our active data governance and data quality tool. It enables end-to-end -end trust and transparency of data throughout an organization. So we've talked a lot about active versus passive data governance. And for that reason, I'm not going to get into the specifics. Our listeners can go back a few episodes to learn more. But essentially, ensuring timeliness is a large part of what our platform does. Can you walk us through the benefits of using Cuneiform um, specifically to achieve data timeliness? Yeah, certainly. I think uh, uh, as we've seen in other videos and blog articles, um, we have a concept of uh, um, what we call as event lineage. So we essentially, uh, what Cuneiform does is um, as uh, events happen as part of a process, um, and these um, events happen um, as a result of applications, uh, running business logic, uh, humans entering data into a data source, or data being um, ingested uh, into an organization from, say, an external counterparty, um, like, a, uh, like a customer or an exchange and so on. Um, what Cuneiform does is captures this information. At the same time, it uh, um, it um, it marks the time, so it captures this information along with a timestamp. So, if you imagine a um, workflow that consists of say a hundred different systems, uh, and these um, hundred systems are constantly um, operating on data, they are either creating data, enriching data, transforming data then Cuneiform has the ability to ingest the data coming from all these systems uh, along with a timestamp for each event. Um, now, how does it help you? Um, what it can do is create a time series lineage view um, from front to back. So this gives you end-to-end -end visibility into your transaction workflows. This is what we call as event lineage. Additionally, we can also enforce rules um, these rules can be data quality rules, uh, which uh, verify completeness, accuracy, and consistency of data, but they can also be um, timeliness rules. So for example, if you imagine um, an event that's uh, rather a piece of data that's created by system A, and then it's sent to system B for further processing, um, we capture the time at which that system A created the event, and then we also captured the time at which the system B started processing the event. And we can have a rule that measures the time difference, and if it exceeds a certain threshold, we can flag it as an exception. Um, so this means that Cuneiform has the ability to enforce uh, timeliness SLAs or throughput SLAs as well, and we can do this um, across uh, entire workflows, we can do it at scale um, for uh, billions of events um, across thousands of systems, and we do it in real time, um, always on um, in always on mode. Well, I think that that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Praveen, for joining us again. This was a really great conversation. Um, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Sonia. All right, everyone, thanks for listening and watching this episode of Digital Switch. You can find us on your favorite podcast streaming service or on digitalswitch.show. Stay up to date on all podcasts, blog posts, videos, 
and all things Piranova at Piranova.com. You can also find us on YouTube and at Piranova Inc. on Twitter. Have a great week, everyone, and stay safe.